It's the WP Minute Plus, your home for long-form discussions with WordPress professionals and industry experts covering our favorite topic, WordPress. Be sure to follow us. Search for WP Minute in your favorite podcast app. Follow this podcast and our five-minute weekly edition. Or head to the WPMinute.com slash subscribe and join the newsletter. I'm told it's like a warm WordPress blanket that gets delivered to your doorstep every week. Looking for all things WordPress? The WP Minute has you covered. This episode of the WP Minute Plus is brought to you by our friends at OmniSend, the top-rated email and SMS marketing platform for WordPress stores. With OmniSend, you'll be launching pre-built e-commerce automations in no time, as well as intuitively segmenting customers based on their shopping behavior and even trying out SMS or push notifications all from the same platform. More than 100,000 e-commerce brands use OmniSend to drive sales and build better customer relationships, converting their customers with quick-to-create, highly relevant emails and texts. Are you ready to start building campaigns that really sell and convert your customers? Find out more at Omnisend.com. That's Omnisend.com. O-M-N-I-S-E-N-D.com. Omnisend.com. And give your brand the boost it deserves. Hey, Rita, welcome to the program. Hey, Matt. Thanks for inviting. You are everywhere. Everywhere in the WordPress space, everywhere in the podcast space. Omnisend coming into the WordPress space recently. A fantastic sponsor of the WP Minute, sponsoring other media outlets, my friends, colleagues, and frenemies in the WordPress space. So I appreciate that as a longtime WordPress content creator. We'll talk about that in a moment. But man, there hasn't there there's not a question you haven't answered yet. <laughs> I was going through, I was listening to like audiobooks that you that you were a guest of. Like I found like in the in the abstract corners of the web interviews that you probably don't even remember you've been on that I listened to. You've been everywhere, man. Is podcasting like a mainstream thing for you to get the word out for Omnisend? Was that your idea or is your team like, hey, you gotta get on podcast to do this stuff? Yeah, Matt. Yeah, I'm. I'm great. I'm really thrilled that it seems for you that everywhere or we as omniscient everywhere. But it's like the feeling we have as your motion or your research made this impression for you. So kind of the feeling and and the metrics that we have. So the brand awareness is not there, yet. and 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 globally and in WordPress ecosystem as well. And and omniscient was focusing for quite many years as we're not like new company will be celebrating 10 years in the market uh, this year already, 2024. But I mean, it's a startup path. So it took us a few years, few initial years to really understand our product market fit. But uh, about the question in the, is like the podcast is the main strategy. It's not, I would say it's a supporting strategy. So it's, it is, it is very important for us, but still kind of vast majority of our customers are coming when we have a need for, for email marketing, for marketing automation, SMS. As for us, we are not the first in the customer journey. The first in the customer journey is a platform, WordPress. In this case, mainly we work with those who sell online. So basically, they, they choose WordPress, they choose WooCommerce on top, they choose agencies to develop, they choose sometimes agencies to help with their marketing activities. Sometimes they do it on their own, depending on if it's a very small business or maybe a bit, uh, a bit larger business that we have internal marketing teams and we do not outsource it. And then they in search for, for the solution to help to run their marketing activities. And mainly Omnisend is for retention marketing. So you have to have already some customers to send them emails to. You have to have opt-ins collected, etc. SMS messages, push notifications. 
So we are kind of not top of a funnel or top of a customer journey once the customer, the businesses are creating their websites, their online stores, etc. So that's why the main channel for us then customers are looking for the best solution. So basically, Googling, asking ChatGPT nowadays, etc. What would you recommend? You're taking all my so, future questions. We can dig deeper into those yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah but the, the podcasts and then and like this public presence of of myself as a co-founder and CEO of this organization, it's it's a really like supporting uh, function, I would say. And some some time ago, like you know, our marketing team we raised this this issue for the marketing team that we have a lack of brand awareness, and then they came with a plan that it is, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. we will sell you. You know, you yeah. have to be present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because there's a lot there's a lot of stuff I want to unpack there. Number one. You know, it, it's funny to me, not funny, but it's it's interesting to hear you because I'm, I'm the same way. You know, hey, we've been in this space for 10 years, but we still feel startup. Like mm-hmm. most startups are like, yeah, man, six months, one year, and we're already thinking like we're, we're something else, right? We're this mega corp or we're not thinking startup mode. And then like all these like middle management comes in, all these logistics, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's great to hear you say we're a decade in, we're still thinking startup. Because generally, you probably think that because you're bootstrapped, right? And you don't have sort of this outside capital coming in, and it's a totally different mindset. I think that's a mindset that a lot of folks in the WordPress space try, like they're thinking, yeah, it's only going to be a couple of years and then I'm out, right? Like I'm out of this. I'm no longer this startup mode. No, this is something that when you're not taking that outside capital, you're living and breathing this stuff. And probably every day, you're like you said, we're still trying to get our name out. Like we want people to know about us. And you've been hundreds of podcasts and you're like, you still feel that way. So I don't really have a direct question there, but I, you know, I applaud you for feeling like, yeah, like I'm still out there. I'm still working. I'm still making this thing happen. And a lot of people think it's just going to go away after a couple of years. It doesn't. Agree. And, and even if you took money in, you'd probably feel that you probably feel the same way times 10, you know, <laughs> that true. feeling of trying to perform. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's like on top of that, what I completely agree to everything you said. And, and I think it's just like your personal engagement, which is very important. It doesn't matter if you took a venture or private equity funding in maybe later stages, et cetera, or you were bootstrapped. Basically, how much of a personal involvement do you have? How much skin of the game do you have in your company? Yeah. So. There are some startups, especially like later stage, that they have been sold, practically sold to to like PEs, and there are professional CEOs that being hired and not not founders. So, they, from my point of view, they are a bit more relaxed, and then that's when the company starts to become the, the corporation, not by the best means of it. And yeah, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of middle management, etc., comes into play. And yeah, so I think it's still kind of about the mindset. It's very important to keep this mindset. So. And two very important details so here are first is still ambition to, to grow quite fast, to, to conquer other, other areas where you have not been present, etc. And the second is about keeping you as lean as possible and then very efficient and very lean organization, etc. and not building too much of a hierarchy in the company, etc. So I think it's it just... An, if you are lean enough, that, that means that you are fast, usually, uh, to make decisions, to make some turnarounds if they are needed, because they are needed in, in any, any organization and uh, any business that you do. Sometimes well, what you did like last year could not work this year anymore. 
and you have to 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 make a shift you know and how how fast and how flexible and how adaptable are you in in those situations so i think that's that's one of that's those are other indications that you still run and operate and think as a startup doesn't matter the age of organization do you remember back when you were running your digital agency and servicing customers when you were a younger entrepreneur do you remember the days or did you ever have the days where you're like yeah product saas software i need to be there i want to get there it's going to be this easy ride i i can't wait to pick the color porsche that i'm going to purchase like do you remember those days where you maybe thought it was going to be instantaneous success or everything would be great but not to put you in a bad position but like 10 years later you're like i'm still here growing this business man like i thought it was going to be done like 6 years ago did you ever have that thought back in the day i still don't have porsche or ferrari so. <laughs> <laughs> and you know there was a funny situation that we kind of like reviewed our pricing and for some of our customers it increased a little bit and when one unhappy customer just replied to, to our announcement email that uh, i wish you or your ceo will buy a, a new lambo for this <laughs> so <laughs> so i did not do that but but yeah in general in general of course it's it's bill gates once said and i really love quoting this that people usually overestimate what they can achieve in one year but they underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years so i think it's really applicable to any startup and tom said as well that when we look back like we we use okrs as a planning methodology so each quarter we review it uh, sometimes we succeed uh, more often i would say we fail with those plans etc and then the numbers and metrics are looking great but then you look back a little bit retrospectively like for 12 months months back at least or three years five years 10 years from 10 years perspective so like the achievements are just amazing right and the the journey you 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 made is is amazing so so back in the days uh, really SaaS was something that we were keen on building because myself and then my co-founder we are from Lithuania and then the vast majority of Omnisend is team is based here we we do have remote colleagues we do have 20 like five-ish people in the United States as uh, there are vast majority of our customers are in the United States we do have in the UK and then and, and remote colleagues etc but but still so so being kind of like from a country with a small market basically you had two options I've, and the, this is running a digital marketing agency it's it's all about like selling your your hours and this is not scalable too much yeah, it's scalable to some extent but no not too much so kind of building a SaaS was always i mean not always but there was a desire to build a potentially a SaaS that seemed to be a bit easier business or at least more predictable as you do not have to to fight for the same customer again and again and again i mean yeah of course you have to you have to always deliver the value for our customers as we call ourselves not bootstrap but customer funded organization because this is our customers who make a decision we don't have any long term contracts yeah so this is our customers who make a decision each month if they believe that Omnisend will create value in the coming months month for them and that's why we pay us in advance for at least one month and yeah so SaaS was kind of like a compelling business idea and and another reason that you can build it globally and yeah. that, that, that doesn't matter because it's 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 a product and doesn't matter where you base doesn't matter how funny your accent is that's at all those like small things doesn't matter that much in comparison to selling uh, let's say human hours and and and, and professional services but uh, did we believe that it's going to be a easy success my wouldn't say so and you know look it took us two years to start earning something yeah yeah 
after yeah, the product sure. launched uh, to the first money, took us two years and we saw kind of a good traction. Customers are installing, but nobody's willing to pay for our service. Yeah. So I, I ran just so you for your context, I ran a digital agency, a WordPress agency, ran it with my father for a decade, 10 years. We started in 2000, end of 2007-ish into 2008 is when we started the, the organization. Um, so anyway, I ran that for 10 years. But I remember like just getting into the WordPress space and being like, hey, this customer stuff, this agency stuff, like you're one check away from going bankrupt, right? If project doesn't pay mm-hmm. you, they forget to pay you, you're, you're just like waiting for this. You know, this is early on in, in my uh, digital career. And I saw Word, I was in the WordPress space, we're building WordPress websites. And I was like, plugins, themes, this is the way to go, right? Mm -hmm. I want to build this product because surely this is easier than, Mm -hmm. you know, picking a color blue for somebody's website. And they're just like going back and forth. Like, I don't really like that. Oh, we brought this to the board. They don't like this color. (laughs) And it's just like, oh God. But early on, I was a super fan of Mixergy and, and you were on the show in 2019 you had stated that you were doing about 6 million ARR back then. And I remember just being enamored with the guests that Andrew was bringing on being like, yeah, like th- I want to build, I want to get into the software space because this does seem like the promised land, but certainly not easy. And I learned, and I learned my lessons there as well, starting product companies. Andrew but said I something, th- go ahead. Yep. Yeah, but I think it's kind of like to add to what you said, I think is running an agency and maybe some of the listeners who are running agencies now maybe struggle with that and then dreaming about or thinking about about like launching their own products, plugins, themes, etc. I think still running an agency is a very, very good uh, school and lessons that you have to learn because this is where you are actually being forced, probably that's the right word, <laughs> agency job forces you to always reflect to customers' needs. And of course, once you start building like uh, plugins, so in our um, case, Omnis and SaaS, etc., it's 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 a bit tricky that you should not fulfill all all of your customer requests and all of your customer needs because if you would, because you have tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of customers, you cannot fulfill all of their needs. So you have to start group to start building and to start understanding what is actually behind it. Of course, you get rid of all this bullshit that you mentioned about. Oh, okay, make my logo bigger. There is that iconic video about yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> joke, make my logo yeah. bigger. Oh yeah, just the the, the the tone of the blue, I don't like. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. I've been there, done that. <laughs> and I believe a lot of listeners maybe in, in such situations on, on the daily basis. But but in general, it really puts customer centricity in, into your DNA. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's, it's, a, it's a very good, 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 good lesson to, to, to go through and a very good school. So back in 2019, Back in 2019, when you were on the show with yep. with Andrew at Mixergy, he opens up with, guys, this is a quote from the transcript. Uh, I probably listened to this episode too back in the day, but he's, he opens up with, guys, how many freaking email marketing companies are out there? <laughs> right? As his <laughs> opening question. And this is a testament there. Like, obviously, MailChimp was, back, was out in 2019. It wasn't that long ago. There was a lot of competition. There still is a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. You said if we're if we're not building it for everyone, right? Because everyone would come to you and say, "I want this thing that Mailchimp has. I want this thing mm-hmm. that I don't know another competitor might have." And you're saying, "No, we're focusing on, let's say, e-commerce connections only." First thing I see when I log into OmniSend is connect your store, mm-hmm. immediately putting somebody into the mode of, "Oh, I, I need to. I probably need to be selling something to get the most value out of OmniSend." It's not. 
I want to start an email newsletter for my soccer club uh, or my mm-hmm. football club, as you might refer to it as. It's not that. It's something specific, hyper specific for customers. Did you know that right out of the gate? Did you go specifically yes. into co- e-commerce? How come you made yeah. that decision so early? Yeah, so a few assumptions. So yeah, so you're referring to to Andrew and Mixergy podcast. So you we were at like six million ARR. So currently we're a bit more than fifty one. So we grew quite quite some uh, considerably. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in that area. And yeah, and I think it's kind of like this customer centricity and the focus is is one of the things that helped us a lot. And it's one of the first assumptions when we started building the product. And again, like referring to those agency days. So some of our customers were selling online uh, among all the variety of customers we were serving. And we kind of identified that there were two main assumptions. So first one is that those who sell online, we basically have entire customer journey happening online. That's why you have more breadcrumbs, uh, you have more touch points happening online with your customer, and there's more data exchanges happening. That's why you can automate a little bit more of your marketing activities, and that's why your marketing messages could be more relevant for your customers. And this basically kind of like our vision up until today is really to make marketing relevant as an organization, as a tool, and uh, like sending more automated emails or SMS messages or whatever, push notifications, those free channels that we support now uh, with a very relevant content is what really embodies our vision. And that's what makes us really happy that each year there are more and more automated messages sent in comparison to bulk emails, and it really drives more and more revenue for our customers. So that was kind of first assumption that digital, those who sell online, they have this unfair advantage in comparison to soccer clubs, as you mentioned. And the second was, uh, second assumption was that e-commerce in general will be growing because once we launched, once we launched the, in the US, uh, like around 16% of all retail was happening online, only 16%. Now it's like 21, 20, like 4% something. COVID accelerated that a lot. So it's, it's growing, but still it's kind of one fourth or maybe one fifth of all entire retail. So that's what did not change with Omnisense since the very first day. So, and again, I mean, sometimes people ask, oh, are you like super smart or are you lucky? I think it's a mix of both. <laughs> I mean, not, definitely not. You're smart. smart. I've listened to a lot of hours of you talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You are so well prepared. So I really appreciate that, Matt. It's a really great to be here and then to talk uh, with you. Well, you have a lot of this contextual questions. So, so what I think it was like very important that our assumptions could, could prove right or could prove wrong. They proved to be right, which is great. Yeah. So basically, as focusing in the niche and those who for like to, to focus product for those who sell online, actually, what made us unique in comparison to Mailchimp's of the world, those uh, generic email service or marketing automation service providers. So that's what kind of defined us in the market, and we basically focused to that to that specific market niche, which is big enough and fast growing enough to help us grow as an organization as well. Yeah, so that was kind of like, and this is the, f- the only thing that did not change on the, since the very inception of Omnisend. On the other hand, just to add on it, w- the definition of e-commerce by itself is changing. And if only like back in 10 years ago, there was 90% of, of e-commerce was basically selling physical goods. Now, just an example, like, you know, booking a doctor appointment is e-commerce 
it's the same online transaction because entire almost entire customer journey happens online. There's a discovery phase that is happening online. There is like social proof collection phase, like the reviews are very important, the, 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 the social proof is very important, etc. The booking of appointment happens online. In many cases, many cases, payment for the service happens online. And instead of just delivering the parcel to you, or you going to the doctor, to the barber, to, to the messenger, etc., just only this part is different. And then after, after, after service, journey again gets online. So you are being asked to leave a review. How did you like it? You are being reminded maybe it's uh, time to, for you to visit again, etc., etc. So the re recurring bookings are happening online. Rec recurring payments are happening online. So basically just definition of what is online retail, what is e-commerce is, is, is being brought in nowadays. And uh, Omnisend is adapting to this as well. Adapting to this as well. Yeah, so we are currently serving in those who, 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 who run online bookings, who sell digital goods online, etc. It's not only physical, physical stores. And a lot of best practices, they are very similar to one another, those cases. <clears throat> I want to frame a pretty hefty question. I'll try to articulate it as best as I possibly can. <laughs> we look at social media. We look at algorithms, filtering out content, content being censored, you know, I think I and maybe a lot of other marketers in the year, well, we're in 2024, I almost said 2023, but we're now in 2024. People are still saying, hey, the best line of defense for your business is still going to be owning your content on your website and owning an email list. Because hopefully, with air quotes, when you want to send someone an email, it's going you're going to get that customer versus making a post on Facebook that you don't boost or that you don't promote, right? So you have a thousand fans on your Facebook page, you make a post, 80 of them see it, unless you boost mm -hmm. it, then 300 of them see it. Now, I see, and this is just my theory, I'd love for you to unpack this if you possibly can, that for you and, and OmniSense, it might not be about how do we compete against MailChimp feature to feature? How do we compete against XYZ competitor feature to feature? This new thing in the marketing space is good, we should go after it. I see email as, my God, you've got to deal with spam laws, governments, deliverability, and that is a very powerful space. You know, I'm not in the European market, but in the US market, you think of like, you know, people going to the government and, 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 and talking to Congress, you know, and you into it, leveraging billions of dollars to say, you know, we're, we're the best place to deliver email, not these other little competitors. And that is, that is where I think your battle is fought. Maybe not now, but maybe in the future. What, do, what are your thoughts on like competition and fitting into governments and, and, and multicultural systems that you have to, to span across? Okay. So probably at least to what I would digest from your question, there are two, two, two different aspects here. So one is like, again, social media or, or other channels. So once we start, and it's probably a very illustrative example, once we launched Omnisend, we were, we're trying to fundraise and we were looking, going after some VCs, etc. But like everybody was looking at us like, what? Email? <laughs> Come on. I felt like, you know, I was pitching a leather shoes. Innovation? Come on. It's, it's, it's done deal. It's like MailChimp, Brava, Constant Contact, like giant company back in the days already, etc. But yeah, so email proved to be very resilient and proved to be the most effective uh, retention channel for anyone who sells online. So 
to our customers' experience, it, it's kind of like 15 to 30, 35% of their revenues coming through email. So it's, and it's like return, uh, return on investment is by far the best. So by far the best. So basically, yeah, and owning this, some, some, there is kind of circulating those sexy terms like first party data, zero party data, sometimes it's being called, but basically it's owning a relationship with your customers. Yeah, to what, to what you're right, because if you use like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, Amazon, if you sell through Amazon, you do not own a relationship with your customers. Yeah. So I think and that's that what my, is, and that's the one thing yeah. I just want to just interject. That's the that's the the connection right there is Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they go, Oh, you want access to the customer? Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna pay us thirty percent tax exactly. on top of that. And I see Gmail, AOL, Yahoo doing the same thing to email. Gmail obviously much more aggressively with like auto filtering and and their things. And I see them going, Whoa, whoa, whoa. All these people have email and they're getting and they're making money off it. No, no, no. We're we're gonna need to find a way to filter this. And Mm -hmm. and I think this legacy type of technology is very difficult to do that to try as hard as they might. I think it's still Mm -hmm. very difficult to agree in that. And I think it's kind of like email address is like similar to your physical address. Yeah. So when however your uh, post company, et cetera, is being like charging you for the service, et cetera. But it's still like, uh, this is what you own and this is what, uh, you have all the freedom to own. And this is a uh, free, uh, it's very similar to WordPress because this is open source in general. Cause th- like Gmail, Yahoo, Microsoft, uh, et cetera, they are just inbox service providers. They do not own the protocol by itself. And this is the key difference to, to, Facebook to Google in general, that because the private protocols, they are closed ecosystems and then email as a protocol, as ecosystem is open. Yeah, there are dominating players, which have, because which is kind of like similar to, 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 to WordPress. And, uh, but it's easy again, it's still the, 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 the ownership, it belongs to the people, to, to the owner of email address. And uh, I would say what is very important to add here, and I, do, I don't see any anyhow those companies being able to 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 really monetize or to start charging for for using any email. Yeah, with those filters, I would say because like from our point of view, initially when there was a, in, in Europe there was this GDPR which came into power when sixteen maybe ish on twenty seventeen etc. And then there was a Californian act similar to GDPR, which basically, okay, it's, it's, it's only technically like, you know, applicable for California, but basically if you, if you sell statewide, nation, nationwide, you in the States, you have to comply with this. So basically there was a little bit of, of scariness here because we thought, okay, maybe it will make a, a negative impact. But in opposite, I think that made a positive impact because it forced businesses to really follow the best practices and follow the best rules. And for, for services like ours, there is a bit less fight to fight against the yeah. bad actors. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, there are really, really like criminals, there are scammers, fishers, etc., who try to steal the data. They understand that we do bad things and they want to do that. And this is the work we do. And this is illegal and it's criminalized. And there are good practices and there is kind of a gray zone. So there were a lot of companies that would, okay, I mean, you know, the holiday season is coming. We have this list which we acquired, maybe not legal, etc. But okay, I'll just do once. Yeah, no one will notice. <laughs> yeah, no one notice, or maybe well, at least I will get like a small fine, you know, for first thing, etc. So that's the worth risking. 
So all those all those regulations by maybe implied like by, by the governments, uh, they just regulated this, and there were there are way fewer people or businesses who are in this gray zone. So I think it's kind of in general that that is a positive thing for for the consumer because they are less spam because your inbox looks way bad in it. And even kind of like the Gmail you referred to, even though they have this promotion tab, but that's okay. If you send the promotional messages, they end up in promotional tab. And a lot of people open promotional tabs and they read those emails and they buy and that's okay. And you know, and sometimes us marketers, because we subscribe so much because of a professional yeah, interest, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we think yeah. that everybody subscribes uh, as crazy as we do. But if you're a doctor, if you're a fireman, if you're a policeman, you don't subscribe to every newsletter. You subscribe to the few which you really trust those brands, which you wait for those emails to come in and you buy from from from, right. from those emails. Yeah. So, you know, we should not, sometimes if we're marketers, we should not apply our behavior to yeah. all of them. Because we ruin everything, us marketers. You know, we, we just, <laughs> we're, we're the ones that ruin it all. Uh, when did you make the, when did you open your eyes to WordPress, Shopify for for years, if I, again, go back, let's say pre-COVID, Shopify was coming, you know, hit after hit. I mean, platform was improving, you know, back when Gutenberg was first released, we had a mass exodus of people who are like, Gutenberg, not for me, like developers and agencies, like Gutenberg, not for me, don't want to be with WordPress through this ride. I'm going to transition to Shopify. I've have interviewed folks that ran Shopify, super successful Shopify agencies over the years <clears throat> and just do, you know, hit after hit doing amazing things. But at the same time, WordPress, huge juggernaut, massive space. When did you turn your attention to WordPress being so deeply rooted in the Shopify space starting off? So there were two, I would say, maybe not a high moments. That was a journey. So we had a Commerce, yeah, specifically not like gen 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 general WordPress, but WooCommerce integrations, integration and Magento integration back in the day. So we launched nine integrations at uh, the very beginning of the company. And uh, I'm sorry, two, two of them proved to grow just way fast organically. That was Shopify and Big Commerce, which probably the name you do not hear too much nowadays about. And at that time, they were equal, like head to head competition with Shopify. They were equal by size, by the customer count, etc. like 10 years ago. But then Shopify took off, really took off. And to be honest, like four, three years, even maybe three, pre-COVID, yeah, so we made a really uh, good reference to the to the time perspective. So I would say, I, I really believe that Shopify is going to a global dominance, like natural monopoly, because they were so successful, as you said, they, they, they really built a great product, they managed to support, they built a great ecosystem, and then agencies, developers like plugins, SaaS services that, that enhance uh, Shopify core, core functionality, etc. But I think that's to where we already touched about having this uh, still startup mentality or becoming a corporation. So I think just Shopify became a corporation and yeah. they start playing some political games and, and even kind of in our space, there is a, a, a preferred provider which apparently them IPOing showed that Shopify owns a quite significant stake in the provider game. So they kind of just threw in their promise. They 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 kind of build their from my point of view, they build their ecosystem on the promise to always be open and always be the best and the most friendly for the ecosystem. 
and for quite a while they were. But then they started just playing some political games, etc. And again, this is still great ecosystem to be. I, I don't blame them too much, but 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 yeah. Now we see. I don't believe that they are going to global dominance anymore. They will remain a big provider for for those who run commerce businesses. But we see that they struggle a lot uh, outside English-speaking markets. So US, UK, Australia are yeah, very important markets for them, but they struggle to go outside those markets for whatever reason. I don't have a very clear explanation. And in opposite, and it shows kind of all the trends. Yeah, there, there was an exodus you mentioned from, from other platforms, including WordPress, including WooCommerce to Shopify. But uh, to what we see now, it's stopped already. And in opposite, we see that some of the customers are getting back. Some agencies are getting back. More and more agencies are developing both now for WordPress and Shopify, et cetera. And it's uh, for the customer to choose. Or maybe we just understood that, you know, there is no one size fits all solution. And in, in different cases, uh, there are, Sometimes WordPress is better, sometimes Shopify is better, etc. Yeah, so that's kind of like the, the rational calculation that we made. Yeah. <laughs> and, but there was a, a different so some 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 years ago we kind of relaunched, maybe three years ago, we relaunched our WooCommerce uh, integration with uh, any major expectations for that. And we just start seeing initial like traction, quite good traction, organic traction, not 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 accelerated, not stimulated, without any our go to market activities. And we saw that like customer lifetime value is great. Then basically we proved ourselves, and now customers we can create value as much as we do for let's say Shopify customers. And this is the the, the I think this is the the most important thing for any service provider, either it's your SaaS or agency, etc., or plugin maker or, or designer. So if you create enough value for the customers, if you do, so of course you will find more customers like, like the ones that you already proved yourself and your customers that you are a valuable solution. So this is kind of the way we turn to, to, to this tipping point, but okay, this is the fastest growing ecosystem for us organically. We, sh we see that there is a good retention rate. Customers are happy. They leave good reviews for us. They stay with us for, for quite long. So and of course, we made a decision that we should uh, invest more into this ecosystem. And then of course, you know, the, in general, the playbook is different than in Shopify. So we just, we just learn here. We're quite new here. And I think it's going to be like community is hopefully part of that playbook. Hold that thought for a second. A friend of the show, Jordan Gall, he had a company called Carthook, which integrated into uh, Shopify. I don't know if you know him or his backstory. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he said publicly like, yep, great. Everything was great. We're building. We're making money. We're making a lot of money. And suddenly Shopify, same kind of scenario where it's like, oh, they're investing in, in either their own solution or a competitor's solution. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, slowly creeps out. Listen, I, there are, you know, there are some parallels here to WordPress.com and Shopify or maybe automatic globally and WordPress, just like we're seeing with Shopify. I don't really trust any company that is using, let's say, social capital. You're getting free social capital. Shopify is amazing. They partner with me. They send me leads. They, they're, you know, they're recommending my plugin on the Shopify ecosystem. Ah, oh, it's amazing. Eventually, that catches up. Just like free products catch up, right? Mailchimp, perfect example. I don't know. You had like ten thousand emails you could send for free back in the day. Now it's like a hundred. Or whatever it is that they okay, look. Doing. So the same with us. Yeah, we have free plan for the small customers. Yeah, yeah, but at some point, if you grow successfully, you start paying. So yeah, 
Man, that's so, true. Yeah, I mean, eventually, it, you know, they they need to make money. And what we're all seeing in the WordPress space is, well, WordPress.com has Jetpack. Jetpack has all these features. It's doing all these things. It's doing email newsletters. It's doing stats. It's doing video. It's a compelling product. But at the same mm-hmm. time, my all of my friends and colleagues are building these same solutions. I work for Gravity Forms. We make forms. Jetpack has forms. Jetpack has a lot of features that a lot of us have. But I think in the open source world, it's harder to pull the rug out from mm-hmm. from the community. It's happening exactly. slowly in some weird areas, but I don't think it'll ever be like the Shopify or uh, you know Intuit buying Mailchimp, and it's like, oh mm-hmm. God, you know where that's going to go. <laughs> you know, once they buy it, we're all screwed. Um, and you know, I think and with we- the, the power of open source is is what makes this a little bit more stable, as rocky as it can feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Agree, agree. And this is, again, less, uh, relatively being relatively new to the ecosystem. So kind of this is our initial impression that there is no no one person making all the decisions. Yeah, and of course, like uh, Automatic uh, and Matt, he, he's a great leader. And of course, he, he owns the credit for, for, for launching WordPress back in the days. But, but yeah, it's not that, you know, he can make like a single person decision and everybody has, is being forced to follow. And there is way more challenging for the bad decisions coming from the community, and it's 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 way more distributed. So it's not that you kind of like you know make a evil agreement with someone, and and that's it, and that's how you squeeze every every competition out of the, out of the out of the market, out of the community. So I think it's it's really really powerful. Of course, to what what we see. If if that's okay to share this impression that and it's being kind of publicly it's 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 uh, it's being talked during the events etc that attracting of new developers and younger generation developers I think it's 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 crucially important for WordPress ecosystem to to do that there is like the average age of attendees in WordPress event and Shopify event <laughs> is is high which is again a lot of maturity. And then coming with that, but at the same time, the balance, I think it's very important as well. And then attracting younger generation is, is very important as well for the ecosystem. Where is the younger generation going? Do you have an idea? So do it yourself, mainly. Yeah. Wix, Squarespace, I believe, uh, Shopify. Just as end users or as like developers? Apple, I think both. Because it's, 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 it's easier. It's easier. Yeah. So it's, it's basically no code. Oh, at least you can start with no code, and then then uh, then you start and uh, you you stick, and maybe you 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 improve your your capabilities, your skills as a developer, etc. But but you stay within the ecosystem you started. So I think it's very important, and this is kind of a philosophy that we have at Omniscient as well. That it the initial level has to be very easy to start, and it's one of the kind of fundamental principles of our product building that the learning curve has to be very very flat. And then, and then, then you start. So you start getting results very fast. There are a lot of pre-built presets, pre-built designs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just you know, a few clicks, and you have up and running platform. And you start, in our case, start uh, earning money from email marketing, SMS marketing. And this is the proof that okay, this is for me. I can do it easily. And then there is a second layer, at least in our product thinking, that okay, this is a, a advanced settings. If you want can end up, you can take the, the blank canvas and you start from there, build your own automations, build your own logic, build your own templates, etc. According to your brand book, whatever. 
And the third layer is, in our case, we, we, we call it like, you know, API layer that you can customize as much as you want. And all the flexibility is there, but then you need like developers, you need specific skills and uh, capabilities to, to make uh, the most out of a product. So, so yeah, so I think like, you know, some kind of similar logic uh, applying to, to WordPress could, could be very, very, and I think like, you know, Gutenberg and all the recent improvements is heading, getting towards that direction. Cause like Wix and Squarespace, we have the first layer. It's very easy to start, but can you really make uh, something more complicated or complex? Not that much. Yeah. So, but again, you know, the, 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 the beginners start there. So that's, yeah. I think the biggest think- challenge for WordPress. WordPress had it the the luxury of if I could say that of when it first came on the scene and really improved was a time on the internet where I mean there weren't a, there wasn't a million YouTube tutorials right there weren't all these folks writing and showing you how to do WordPress so you had to like crack open WordPress like I did and kind of learn HTML CSS PHP a little bit of JavaScript how uh, the LAMP stack worked, right? With hosting, Linux, Apache, MySQL, PHP. How do these things all function to get a website up and running where the kids these days, all they're going to have to do is talk to AI and just be like, hey, I want a login system with a, sh- with a shopping cart and then they, they'll connect up to you. So, you know, they, they have it a lot easier these days. Too so, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's a super challenging time to, to bring in some fresh some fresh perspective and some fresh folks into the space because it's detriment to uh, the you know the success of WordPress. Mm-hmm. Long-term qu- success, yeah. Long-term Agreed. success, yeah. Speaking of AI, real quick, hot topic. Everyone's talking about AI. Everyone's doing AI. What do you have? Do you have anything AI? Are you looking at AI or is it like, hey, let's just wait for this thing to, to settle in because my God, we saw how fragile open AI is. Or ChatGPT and that whole Sam Altman nonprofit slash executive mm-hmm. team structure. The whole thing almost collapsed in literally a weekend. What are your thoughts? AI, future of, of that integrating into the product and, and its promise. Yeah, and, and re- in recent lawsuits by some major uh, media outlets. New York, yeah. yeah, New York Times. Yeah. Yep. New York Times, et cetera. Yeah. So that's just, you know, they proved that it's just one to one. Okay. Like 100 words to 99 words. Yeah. Exactly yeah. the same yeah. <laughs> text. What was written by a professional writer. So uh, yeah, we do have and we do have embedded AI solutions with phenomena. So just like few, few, few to mention. So the the subject line generator. Yeah. So you 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 compose an email and usually it's a kind of a creative because you have to be sure you have to emphasize the, the most important things and you know just AI suggests you five you can regenerate and you basically pick you change something and I think this is a this is kind of illustrates how we think about the AI solution that it ha- has to do the dinky job and it has to be assistant for you. So I, I'm a little bit of skeptic that AI replaces human intelligence, HI, but I think it really helps us to, to shorten the time to do the same job. And so, you know, if you're a creative writer, sometimes you're in a good mood and you can come up with 10 versions, etc be very fresh, etc. Sometimes you're just tired and oh, it takes you so much time to... And you need some, you need some, you know, you know spark, to, 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 a little bit of spark. Yeah, the spark, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a good, and maybe just to catch on something. And I've read so, some time ago articles about some of good artists, the painters. So they have 
we have assistants who sometimes we just ask assistant to start painting because we are out of a mood and we have no inspiration at that time. And the assistant starts to paint something and then the artist has this part. Okay, I will complete this and this is my still artwork. So I think this is the, what AI does. And just an example, yeah. So subject line generated or inline editing. Yeah, so when you write a copy, there is a, a AI, AI generator. So you just basically, with an omniscient, you just write the context. Okay, I would like to pro- promote this mug. Yeah, I have some water here. Let's, let's, let's promote the mug. Okay, I want to promote this gray mug because it's very fresh. It keeps uh, water fresh for, for many hours, et cetera, et cetera. And AI comes with a, a proper Good, good style text, etc. We tried, we tried a solution that we, that entire email is being generated by AI. People were not adopting that too much. And then we changed to this just a paragraph editing or paragraph composing with AI. It's being way better adopted in comparison to the full, because it's still kind of me as a marketer who makes a decision what I want to promote, unless you do full automated marketing. And, and yes, and again, the assistance is needed. This assistance is well accepted and really welcomed, opposite to just replacement of a, a full replacement, replacement of a, of a human intelligence. So this is how we, we think about AI, that it's a really great assistant. And of course, we are trying to embed it and uh, as much as possible just to do the, 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 this donkey job where sometimes you know, you cannot personalize like for 1,000 customers, for 100,000 customers to write a really, really personal email. AI could do that. But again, it's you who has to make a decision what exactly, okay, not exactly, but what direction, what tone and voice, what, what you want to promote, uh, etc. what you want to invite your customers to do. Have a purchase immediately, maybe help them with a product they purchased already in the past, or maybe just, you know, provide with some, some help, some assistance, etc. So, yeah, so that's how we think about AI. Omnisend.com. You can start for free. Fantastic sponsor of the show. Ritas, thank you so much for connecting with my brand and my fellow colleagues' brands to help support the WordPress community, help support content like this showing up. On yet another podcast, I, I think I asked you some questions that I haven't heard you answer yet today. So I hope I hope the listener got some value from it. Free plan, $16 a month, $59 per month. The best person for this platform right now, you'd say, is folks who are integrating with e-commerce, with WooCommerce. I do have some, I don't know, behind the scenes look because I do work at Gravity Forms. We've been working with your team to connect Omnisend to Gravity Forms without the need for WooCommerce because you yes. can sell stuff with Gravity Forms. You can sell stuff with other things on, on WordPress, yes. of course. So anyone who's making that transaction, this is the type of customer Correct. that should be using Correct. this. Correct. Correct. And we are currently working and it will be launched till the end of Q1 2024. So if you're listening us after this, so we will we will have just generic WordPress integration and plugin for anyone who do has any transactions online and send them, and then does it either gravity forms or some LMS systems, etc. using WordPress so we can utilize Omnisend. Best place to connect, omnisend.com. You want to send anyone, someone anywhere else that you uh, spend yeah, time Yeah, so omnisend.com is the best. So you can have a request for a demo and talk to our account executive. So you can just, you know, sign up, have an account and explore on your own. And there are a lot of videos. And even though if you are not, maybe if you're happy with your current solution, 
uh, we have a great resource center, so Omnisend, uh, just Omnisend resources, Omnisend blocks, so there are a lot of uh, written content, uh, video content, lessons, uh, advice, how, how to better run your email marketing, SMS marketing, web push notifications marketing. So it doesn't matter if you use Omnisend or no, we, we do have a lot of resources for you to, to be a better marketer. And by the way, our website, our blog is running on WordPress. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Rita, thanks so much again for hanging out today. That's it for today's episode. Get the weekly newsletter at thewpminute.com slash subscribe. Want to support the show and join a Slack group filled with WordPress professionals like you? Talk about the news, share your WordPress business content, and network with others. Head to thewpminute.com slash support and get access to our group. Support the show for as little as $5 or more if you feel we provided more value. Thanks to our pillar sponsors, Pressable, Bluehost, and Omnisend. Thanks to our Foundation Plus sponsors, WP World, Image SEO, and Hostinger. Thanks to all of our annual supporting members and you, the listener. Without your support, the WP Minute wouldn't be possible. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>